Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Lord, would you come and speak to us through your word? In Christ's name, amen. Seven years ago, I did something I'd never done before. I um, bought a bicycle that you could clip into. Life-changing. Because I've never fallen off a bicycle more since buying that seven years ago. And I decided to start uh, exploring uh, long-distance cycling, meaning more than three miles. And uh, I was incredibly slow, and so I did what any um, man in my position would do. I decided that cargo shorts and loose-fitting T-shirts were probably the issue, and so I invested in the aerodynamic uh, apparel, also known as Lycra. And it didn't work. I was still slow, and I just kept feeling like I couldn't breathe. Now, the other side of that is that I have asthma. And as a result of that, I, uh, at that moment, um, I could only get four liters of oxygen into my lungs. The norm is five. And so uh, I, it just, I started to see a, an allergist, and I was saying, you know, uh, he says, well, how do you notice it? I said, well, I've started bike, biking, and I'm just not very fast, and you know, da da da. And I think I just need a better bike. And he said, well, let's, let's have a look. And uh, we do all the tests. He says, yeah, it's pretty bad. And it's because when we lived in London, there was black mold in the house. And that's what triggered uh, the, the asthma condition. And so he put me on a regimen for both my allergies and my asthma. And then all of a sudden, a year later, it's like I, I, I went back and I did the testing, and all the while I'd noticed I was getting a little bit faster, I wasn't getting as winded as much, and I'd go a little bit longer. And nothing had changed except the clothing, which was still the Lycra and matching, and I just thought, you know, I'd, I'd look the part, fake it till you make it type thing. Um, and I'm, I'm really pleased that you've never seen me in that because it does look terrible. But I found that I had more power because after a year, I had somehow, by God's grace and the medical expertise of my allergist, regained a liter of oxygen in my lungs. I now have five liter capacity. Life-changing. So often we think that when things in, in our lives aren't working, we think what we need is just to redesign everything, but sometimes we just need a little bit more air. We just need a little bit more power. And that's really where our passage is uh, in Acts, those two verses. Let's turn to that. You've got your bulletin. It's on page three. It's two verses. As you can tell, I'm not going to go on terribly long because it's not a long passage, but there is a lot there. And there's something there, I think, that is going to really shape this next year at St. Bart's. And so let's turn to that. Acts chapter three, verses 19 and 20. Uh, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of God, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you for Jesus. Starts off with a word that isn't very popular today, repent. 
repent. And um, it's fallen out of fashion, I think because its meaning has been lost. Um, people have used that to, um, as an excuse to manipulate to, for any, all kinds of reasons. But it really is, in the Greek, a direction term. It actually means simply to turn around, to go in a different way. So Acts 3.19, repent therefore. And this is Peter at the height of this sermon that he started to give. Remember, he's gone from greatest coward to greatest courageous preacher. And he preaches this incredible sermon. And he sums it all up by saying, repent. Change the direction you're going in. People around us often relate to us according to what we do, or what we've done. That's why when you meet someone new, one of the first questions out of the back is, off the bat is, what do you do? And our culture is really quick to define an individual but by what they've done or by what's been done to them. And often, the people that know us can relate to us according to our shortcomings and our failings. That's the hard part of it. And this, in turn, shapes our identity. We personalize these things and say, that's what I am, that's what I'm like. But the scriptures tell us that it's out of God's kindness that he leads us to repentance. So it's out of his kindness that he turns us in a new direction. But for a long time, I will confess that my urge to repent has been because I don't want to get caught or I have been caught doing something that I know I'm wrong, right? It's, not, it's been out of a misconceived notion of turning directions. It's been out of a fear of punishment. But what's so great about what Jesus has done is that by taking upon himself the punishment that I deserved, the things that he does in his life is no longer guided by a desire to punish those who follow him. Punishment is off the table because he has taken it upon himself. So then repentance must mean something different. So it means a change of direction. And then verse 19 goes on, repent therefore, turn, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. What does it mean to turn back? Well, the, the truer uh, translation means to turn towards God, to turn to his way of thinking, turn to his way of speaking, to turn to his way of living, and to find his way of doing things. And then comes this incredibly, um, it's kind of an outdated term, blotted out, and that's because we no longer have liquid paper. Have you ever tried to buy liquid paper or whiteout? We, in Canada, we call it liquid paper. What do you call it here, whiteout? Yeah, anyway, you know, that's, it's just not around anymore. It's a shame, but I guess the, the uh, demise of the typewriter means we don't need it anymore. Maybe you can bring it back, Chris. Is it true that you're writing your PhD on a typewriter? No, okay, that's fake news. But all I can hear is that did it, did it, did Anyway, to blot out makes, means to make something obscure, means to make it insignificant, it means to make it inconsequential. 
So think about this with me for a moment. Jesus, Peter says, repent therefore, turn to God, so that your sins can be made obscure, can be made insignificant, can be made inconsequential. How? How are they blotted out? Because of the work of Jesus. So by blotting out our our sins, all of a sudden, this is significant because it means that our identity begins to change, right? Our identity begins to change. So the evil one would say that if you say a lie, you're a liar. Sin becomes personified. So I'm a liar because I lied. I told my four-year-old he could watch Paw Patrol all day. There's no way that's gonna happen. On behalf of Canada, I apologize for Paw Patrol to all your parents and Caillou. That show has ruined many lives. Anyway. But if I've lived, you know, I I was talking to someone just the other day who's never been to church and um, comes from a very broken background. And um, I'd ask him questions, and he told me, he didn't tell me a single word of truth. He just told me exactly what he thought I wanted to hear so he can get out of the conversation with me. I understood. And I was just trying to, you know, make conversation with someone. And, you know, um, as we got to a place of of reality in the conversation, he says, I kind of said, you know, I asked him, really? Really, you go, to church, you, you go to church, this church over here that's five miles away and you don't own a car? You go every Sunday? He says, no, actually I don't. I'm sorry, I'm a liar. And I say, you, you, no, you're not. You don't happen to tell the truth, but that's not who you are. You're something much more. And the work of Jesus and this invitation to repent out of God's kindness, to turn to him, and to find his way, to see his way of doing things, is so much more than often we've been told in the Bible Belt. Because it's out of kindness, it's out of goodness, it's out of his love that he leads us, and what happens is, is that the things that have defined us in such a negative way, the things we've done wrong, the mistakes we've made, our, our shortcomings, our failings get blotted out by His grace. They be, they're made in, well, I've got to get precise in my language here, they become insignificant. They become inconsequential. They become obscured. Now, we do have to take responsibility for what we've done, but that's, they no longer define us. We're no longer defined by it. It reshapes who we are. And that's why the Christian community is so important because if you come into a community that isn't defined by sin but is defined by grace, all of a sudden being a part of that community is life-giving. You have to find reasons why not to go as opposed to reasons why you should go. And it's based on this invitation to turn around And then verse 20, the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So he invites us to turn to him, to repent so that 
times of refreshing may come to us from the presence of the Lord. As here, Peter, and this is important, so if you take notes, note this down. It's not from me, it's from biblical scholars who say this, that Peter is promising two results of this repentance. The forgiveness of sin and the times of refreshing. And the idea here is that as people are refreshed in their spirits, when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within them, that refreshing will also come into the world in a general sense as that world is affected by believers who are changed by the power of the Spirit. The literal Greek definition of refreshing is a cool, refreshing breeze on a hot, sunny day. Imagine, imagine we get out and it's 72 degrees and that wind is howling. Oh, I mean, you know, it would just be incredible. And it happens in Texas, doesn't it? They'll say by 12 o'clock, the weather pattern will change and suddenly a cold front will move in. And it happens. And it happens powerfully. And the trees start moving. And it has a very literal effect on us because we're so accustomed to the absence of what it means to be refreshed. And so the invitation here by Jesus through the lips of Peter is to step into a time of refreshing. Some of us um, haven't used that um, devotional app called Lectio 365. And this, this was written, so this is not me original, but this I read this and I took note of it because I thought it would be awesome to see. And this is what the writer says. What if people where I live could not see the church structures anymore because of the presence of God and God's people wasn't just somewhere but everywhere? What if God's presence illuminated every school, every shopping mall, every office, and every factory, every local neighborhood, and the churches were not recognizable? Sounds like heaven. Where in the New Jerusalem there will not be a temple because God's presence will be everywhere. It will fill the streets. What if East Dallas, the presence of God wasn't just somewhere, but everywhere? A number of years ago, um, I somehow befriended a top, lightweight boxer from Northern Ireland. It was fascinating to hear him talk because the accent was just great, but you know, it was hard and he was, he was also a barber. So it was kind of intimidating to get your hair cut, but anyway, we, we, I was trying to hook him to talk you know, a little bit, have a spiritual conversation. So at one point I said to him, you know, what you do and what I do are really similar. Expletive, expletive, expletive. What do you mean by that? I said, well, not so much the boxing, but as a boxer, you get, uh, not, not as a boxer, but as a barber, you get really close to people, and you listen to them, and you cut their hair, and you make them feel good about themselves, and da da da. And that's what I do. And he says, well, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a priest. Another string of expletives came by. And uh, we had fun, and he said at the end of it, you're one of the most interesting people I've ever spoken to. 
And I said, I'm sorry, because if I'm one of the most interesting people you've talked to, that's not necessarily a good indication. But anyway, I went by, and time went on, and then suddenly, about two months later, there was a, he came to the church office. Now, this man was not a churchgoer. And he asks for me by name. The secretary says, would you come and speak? And we're in London, so would you come and speak? There's this guy, a real rough-looking guy at the front desk. Would you come talk to him? I said, sure. And uh, he says, I need you to come pray through my house. Um, because there's something wrong. I said, all right, uh, how about tomorrow? I said, no, no. He says, no, no, we're going now. I said, you know, what do you do to your boxer barber, right? Um, so he, I went, I went with him to his house, and um, their, their apartment, their house overlooked where a train wreck had happened in the 80s in Clapham Junction, and he was pretty convinced that that's why there was a bad feeling, a bad vibe in the in the place, and I kind of thought maybe he just needed Jesus. So I had my, you know, why Jesus tracked in my pocket in case, you know, I could do it. And I was also practicing my ducking just in case, um, you know, I had to use some boxing moves they didn't have. So we go through and we pray through the house. And I explain to them basically um, what Jesus does and how inviting him into your life, um, all that stuff and that there's no, no takers. And then his wife comes out, the back room. She'd kind of been listening to everything. And she was the one really upset and uh, kind of calmed her down. And, and the house just felt really peaceful. And so give them my number, say, if there's anything wrong, call, da da we'll come back. We leave. Well, that next evening, it's Monday, it's uh, Tuesday afternoon, it's four o'clock. And Rachel has a Bible study happening in the house with um, women who were former addicts, former, you know, people who are just on the uh, margin of society who dramatically received the gospel and who were just the most incredible prayer warriors, right? These were women whose children were in prison and had come out and they'd just kind of seen Jesus transform their lives. And so I always left when these Bible meetings, these Bible stories, uh, Bible studies happen because I, you know, I just don't want to get in the way. And so I'm about to leave and there's a knock on the door. I open the door and there's the boxer and his wife. And they've gone to the church office, insisted they give them our address and they're at our front door. And uh, I said, oh, hi, what can I do for you? And she just blurts out and says, what do I need to do to get the peace that's in my house, in my heart. And I said, just come on in. There's a group of women here who would love to pray with you and introduce you to that kind of peace. Because when you've lived in the absence of peace and you encounter it, it's so refreshing to just be able to stop and just take a breath. We found out, we asked this, this woman, married to the boxer, you know, Who's been praying for you? Because I knew there was someone who said, oh, my, my father's a Methodist minister, and I've been running for, from the faith for, I don't know, 10 years. I said, all right, well, welcome home. And I left her in the hands of Rachel and the, the women of the Bible study and took the boxer off, and we talked some more about what was happening. Last Tuesday, and I want to hone in, what does it mean then for us to come into a time of refreshing. I can't promise a change of weather. 
I'd love to, but that's, you know, I, as much, I think God's got me on call waiting on that one. Or there's one of you praying for heat. And if you are, you just gotta stop. What does it mean for you and for me to come into a time of refreshing? Because I really believe that's the trajectory God has us on. This wreath we started three months ago, it's there and the ribbons, every ribbon represents something God has done in one of your lives. I've put two on. And there's about 70 others. So God is at work. And the staff and I went away on Tuesday for a prayer retreat. And we really felt that this verse, times of refreshing may come to you from the presence of the Lord. We really felt that that was going to be a theme this year. And as we prayed, we put together a mood board. I've never done a mood board. Um, but we did, and we felt, well, what would it, so we have our vision, we have our values, but what do we pray into so that we can, what, what are the words we say so that we can step into a time of refreshing? Well, this is what we came up with. That our lives would be marked by a peaceful productivity. A peaceful productivity. I am pre-programmed to strive and be as productive as I can, and I'm like a lethal weapon <clears throat> in the middle of it. So when I get into full striving mode, I do everything right, and nobody wants to be around me because my heart kind of goes hard. and I lose tenderness. And so refreshing would mean a peaceful productivity. We'd get stuff done, but it'll be marked by peace. The other one is that we're praying, and this is especially for the children's ministry, but the worship services as well, and everything we do as a church, that the moment we take a step towards each other, we, we would somehow be stepping into God's goodness. We would have this experience of, I think I've just stepped into something good that God has prepared for me. That would be refreshing. We came up with awe, majesty and intimacy in worship. To have a sense of how amazing God is and how close he is. I don't know how you felt in that song, How He Loves Us. When we get to that lyric and on the screen it said an unforeseen kiss and we sang a sloppy wet kiss. And theologically it just, you know, I don't think heaven and earth met in an unforeseen way, but for us to receive that kind of unbridled affection from God, wow, I didn't see it coming, and yet I'm on the edge of my language ability to express what's happened. That would be refreshing. We also came up with a relaxed reverence but that's gonna mark how we meet together. There's a relaxed reverence. It's still reverent, but it's also holding tension with this idea of relax, that everyone's welcome. It's about being known, being fully known. And as we're known, we're fully loved. It's about people coming to the things we do and feel like they're being welcomed home. It's about joy in community. It's about room to breathe. 
And though, that, that, though these are the strings we're, praying, we're, we're pulling on as we pray. As we pray for this, what's going to start here in a moment when everybody goes back to school, is that this next season will be marked by refreshing because I think we all need it. I need it. I need that cool breeze. And it's the invitation that from the presence of God as we turn, as the Lord prompts us, to make a directional change, to turn towards Him so that our sins might be blotted out, we've come into times of refreshing. My most sinful time of the day is between 7.40 and 7.55. That is when I have, once again, illustrated to the boys of the need to go to school, of what they need to wear on the way to school and at school, that they need to pack their bags, they need to pack their lunch, and we need to get in the car, and we need to get to school by a certain time. I'm tired, I haven't had enough coffee, I have no margin, and there's usually a great argument that breaks out. And when I drop them off a carpool, I feel like the worst person on earth because I've handled it all wrong. Maybe one day a week I get it right. But this year doesn't have to be that way. I don't know what I have to do. But I know God has to do it. And in those, that worst time of the day for me, 7.40, 7.55, I am praying that it would be a time of refreshing. What about you? What's your greatest challenge? What is it, aside from the heat, in your life right now that is the hardest? And if the God who raised Jesus from the dead could marshal all of his power and bring it to bear in your life in that moment or in that time, during that day or in that situation to make it refreshing, could you dare to hope? That's what we're praying for, refreshing, that this would be a season of refreshing. Not when all is going well, but when things are the most challenging. And so if you're new to St. Bart's, welcome. This is, this is who we are. This is what we're like, and this is where we're going. Let me repeat those briefly. Peaceful productivity, stepping into God's goodness, awe, majesty, and intimacy, a relaxed reverence, being known, welcome home, joy and community, room to breathe. We'd like to invite you to consider, you don't have to do it, there are no have-tos. I'm not going to say you have to do anything. So I'd like to invite you to consider an opportunity. Starting on Tuesday, September 6th, is that right? To join us for 10 Tuesdays in the fellowship hall next door where we're gonna be doing something called Alpha, which is really an opportunity to re-examine the Christian faith. We're gonna have great food, 
We're going to have um, a great time together. And it's a, it's a place for people to come and ask all the questions they have. And our promise is in our discussion time after our sessions, you will never be corrected. Because we really want to hear what you think. We really want to hear your questions. We think, as we've been praying, that Alpha is going to really help us step into what this time of refreshing will look like. We're going to have St. Bart's Fest. We're going to have an ugly sweater Christmas party. And we're going, to, we're going to do all the stuff we do. And we're going to pull on this thread of prayer that we might see God move more and more, that we might step into times of refreshing. How's that sound? It's going to be like a cool breeze on a hot sunny day. That's why if Peter were to walk in here now, he'd look like a Texan. That is heretical, unlikely to happen, but we can always hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these, these powerful verses, this invitation to repent and turn to you. And we pray even now for anyone who might feel that they need to have something blotted out. Would you come and move in power and give an assurance of your love and forgiveness? For any of us, Lord, who feel that we need to do, go at it a different way, change direction, would you lead us? Thank you that you're kind and you're good. so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that's what we pray, Lord. Would you come by your Spirit and refresh us? Would you meet with us? Would you lead us and empower us? That our lives might be marked by your love. That we would be led by your love. And that we'd be known by our love of you. So, Lord, we lift all of these things to you, our hearts and our minds. We lift them to you and ask that you would come and lead us, not just as individuals, but as a church, as a community. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you please?